0: The Game Schooler Podcast is a weekly audio show that highlights the educational value of tabletop gaming. In this week's episode, we'll cover some Game Schooler news, horrified Universal Monsters, our recommended game of the week, discuss STEM and cooperative games in the School of Gaming, and wrap it up with the High Five Challenge. All right, welcome to the Game Schooler Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Kotecki, along with my co host, Dr. Michael McCabe. How are you doing, Michael? Doing great, Doug. How are you? All right, I am fantastic. Uh, so let's talk about uh, did you play any games with your family this year? I
1: week? did. I played two different games, played Quacks of Quedlinburg. That's a mouthful. Th- yes, it is. And it's, it's a lot of fun. It's getting quite a bit of playtime right now in our house. My wife is a big fan. That, and um, I also played Azul, although we didn't get through an entire game because it was one of those where I said, "Hey, it'll only take ten minutes. I just want to teach you. We'll just play one round, You're and then you know, dinner and all those things." But those were the two that that I played this past week. How about you?
0: Well, I also got Azul to the table. Yeah. Um, played that with my oldest daughter, so she kind of likes it. Good. She picked it up. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So she's uh not nine. So, <laughs> that's, that's great that to, you can remember yeah, her age. Yeah. And,
1: and you also know her first, middle, and last name, correct? I believe so, All right. yeah. I won't ask birthdays. Gunned I know you have three daughters, so I won't, yeah. I won't yeah. put you on the spot.
0: I have to have a, is, a mnemonic device for every yeah. one of those birthdays, too.
1: There's nothing worse when you go to the doctor's office, and the first question they ask... What's a child's date of birth? Oh, man, you're going to ask me that one. Give I'm me a just, second. Uh, yep, yep. Hold oh, on. Um, I mean, which I'm child? Need,
0: which birth? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to need five minutes, Doc, but trust me, <laughs> she's mine. Uh, then we played, I played uh, the game Quick and Easy Okay. with her, which is a, uh, I don't know, it's a cooperative game. You're playing numbers down in order. And... In the, the original game, is a bigger version. Yeah. And it's a deck of 100 cards, one through 100. And you have four stacks, uh, some cards going uh, ascending and some descending. Okay. Y- y- two stacks are ascending. Yeah. And descending is the cards that you can play on them. And there's some rules that, that you can use to break those. The quick and easy version just makes them numbers one through 10. Okay. And uh, colors are what break the rules.
1: Are you allowed to talk?
0: Yes, yes. But okay. not not complete here's all the cards I have. Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah. Um so that's that was fun and a lot a lot more attainable. But I also played it with Katie, my wife, and she uh it, there's something that does not click in her brain with that game. She just okay. cannot rock it. So whatever. Two player then, only game or more than that? Uh, I think it's two to two to five. Two to five. Okay. okay. So and then uh Am- animal upon animal came out this week, uh, okay, which is a yeah, classic, yeah. so the kids were, were how did they stack good they were good. they were laughing that's a I love that one you know i'm I'm putting something on there, and it's getting taller. They're like, oh my gosh, this is crazy uh so that was fun, and then we played a another hobby game called Sleepy Castle, okay, which is a memory game, so that's I'm on the kid's shelf.
1: She- oh, it's on the kid's shelf. It's on the kid's shelf, me. yeah. Okay. Yep,
0: so they enjoyed that one. What are you doing in that one? Uh, four, there's 12 tiles face down, 12 tiles face up with gold coins in between. The face up one's kind of in a circle. Okay. And you have to flip over the two animals on either side of the coins to get the coins in the middle. Oh, okay. Okay. So okay, it's a little bit of matching. Yeah, I really don't like memory games, but this one actually is uh, is pretty good.
1: Good. And so, do you guys have a set pattern for playing board games? I know you do it a lot on the weekends, right? Is or is it just, hey, we've got time. We've Dad got, says we're playing games. Come yeah. over here and play some games.
0: Yeah, we've got time. I yeah. don't we don't have a set game night. We don't yeah. have. Oh, this is what we're gonna do. And and with the ages of the kids, sometimes it's. Right, one of them is like, okay, let's get that one out of the way, and I'll take two of them or or whatever. Sure. So, so it's
1: opportunistic.
0: Yes. Yep. If the if the time is there, Dad's got nothing else going on. Let's See, play some games.
1: We go screen free Sundays, and so our kids don't have any devices or screens until four p.m. So that the so it's magic- not completely <laughs> a screen free well, Sunday for our <laughs> kids. It is for kids who are being raised by. Uh, tablets and screens and, and and things that I wish we didn't have as much of. Um, but the magical hour is about from 1 until 3. If I can bring a game to the table and just say, hey, come on over here and play, um, we'll usually get a, a couple games in. Well, and we all can.
0: three of your girls are capable of playing a game. Yes. Yeah, yes. We're, we still got one in naps. Yes. So that... <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Molly might need... Eat the meeples, huh?
0: No, yeah, she's a dominant at Crokinole, but other than that, she's she's oh, that's uh, good stuff. she'll ask what we're playing. Good. Uh, so what have we been, uh, anything we've been working on, or anything you want to follow up from from last week's show?
1: No, not not specifically. I was reviewing my notes. Um, not not specifically. Last week is ticket to ride, correct? The weeks are mm-hmm. kind of run together here, they're, mm-hmm. they're just flying by. What I Want to follow up on is how much I look forward to Thursday. I'm really really enjoying uh, putting the podcast together and just talking about games. I'm not sure if I was supposed to give away the day of the week. No, now we everybody knows makes, that's Now we do. Off. You can edit it, um, but I, yeah, I won't. Though what what is trouble when I walk uh, or drove home? I thought, boy, now I have to collect every single ticket to ride game because we did a podcast on it. And what if? What if I'm someplace and somebody starts talking to me about Ticket to Ride Ibiza or the Nordic Adventure one? And I don't know. And so that lasted for, oh, about an hour. But I'm not sleeping after we put the podcast together because of all the ideas. And so the only thing to really follow up on, um, I'll save for when we get into our our workshop here in a little bit. But uh, that's now. That's now. Yeah, you know, we're working on Villainous right now, and... uh, the the challenge of putting skill builders together in that game is the it, every character is different. So there was a lot of breaking decks down, tearing the game apart. It was spread out all across my house over the weekend, and uh, it, you would think that my wife and my kids would be giving me a hard time. I think they actually respect our work a little bit more now. (laughs) So dad, you're really taking this seriously. And
0: uh, yeah, I I had stuff spread all around my house too. So that's not, uh, and that, this was a part of the the process is you said, taking a game apart and it's, it's figuring out like, what, what are the lessons to pull out of this? What's mm -hmm. the most important parts to pull out, pull out of it? Sometimes it's, game design elements sometimes it's history or things like that so that's an interesting process that we go through of figuring out what are what is the project what are the projects here
1: yeah and do we have a skill builder that matches the age of the the gamer and and their their grade level and that was the challenge with, with villainous and I think we're coming up with some good stuff I'm looking forward to getting that. You know, out there on, on our store for people to see and try and get feedback
0: on. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, I don't think I have anything else uh, following up. You didn't hit any deer on the way over, did you? No,
1: no deer. Thank okay. you. I actually saw five. I took the shortcut. Okay. Uh, you know, I came like by quick trip. You know, the back back road there, and there yep. were five, but they were chilling, and so I I could see them when I came up over the hill <laughs> there, and I thought it was a plastic kind, and I thought, oh man. Why would some archer put their deer so close to the road? And then as I crept up, oh, they're real. Uh, no it's a bucks, live one. No bucks in that. Just some some little doe and some baby baby deer ish. Yeah, type. That, there were
0: five though. That's what we get in our backyard. And a lot of lady deer. A lot of lady deer. Yeah, not not too many bucks. No. If if we see them, I think that there must be something wrong. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's move on into it. Let's get to the recommended game of the week. This
1: segment is sponsored by Funny Cars, a skill builder for Ticket to Ride First Journey. Have you ever heard a train that's far away and thought about what it was carrying? Have you ever been riding in a car when a train goes by and wondered what's inside that train? In this skill builder, your little gamers build their own train cars. This skill builder is for grades two to four and teaches children creativity, confidence, and group discussion skills. What are you waiting for? Find
0: out what's in those trains already. All right, the Recommended Game of the Week is a family-friendly game we think you should add to your collection, and it passes our stringent criteria for quality and content. This week's game is Horrified, Universal Monsters by Ravensburger. It is Ravensburger, not Ravensburger. I believe it's Ravensburger, but I could be wrong.
1: Or Ravens. That's burger there's no pause there it's just one big long it has to be word. a germanish word right it is
0: very german all right so that's the problem with uh, I like their games though man with with board games you got you got names and companies from all over the world that are unpronounceable f- to americans uh,
1: very similar to curriculum
0: yeah and polish names <laughs> so, all right so uh horrified this is according to the publisher. A city screams in terror. Ah! Oh, that's good. Yeah, I feel like I'm in the, in the 20s. The city screams in terror. A cooperative game against the world's most famous monsters. The village is under attack. Dracula, the mummy, Frankenstein's monster, his bride, and more are on the rampage. And you and your team of heroes must defeat them. Each monster offers an entirely unique challenge, and players can adjust the difficulty by playing against a new group of adversaries every game. Overcome them all before the horror overwhelms you. So that's from the publisher, and that hits it on the spot, right? Your cooperative game, you play as uh, heroes trying to vanquish the different villains, uh, different monsters as you go uh, across the city map and you're collecting tokens. Tokens come out onto the board in different locations, and normally those tokens are the things that you need to um, to beat the, the monsters. For example, uh, Dracula, you've got to collect red tokens, which are things like garlic and uh, steaks and crosses and things like that to break into all of his coffins and then go beat Dracula. Um, Working as a team, there's uh villagers that come out on the, the board yep. throughout the game that you're trying to rescue, things like that. Uh, great, great family game. So, what's what are some of your favorite things about this one?
1: Well, first off, I have to talk about reasons why I didn't want to play it to get to my favorite. And you might be thinking, what are you talking about? There's a certain genre of board game that I simply don't play and I, I don't enjoy, and that's horror games. I don't I don't like scary board games, and and I know a lot of people do. I I just don't, and it took a little bit of convincing for you to get me to play this game because I thought, well, it's not that I'm going to be scared, but this is one of the first board games that I played at game night coming over here, and what I like about the game is it's not scary, and I say that because two of my three daughters get scared very easily. And so if I'm going to bring this game to the table, I need to make sure that they're not going to get freaked out by the wolf man or the invisible man. And they weren't. And I really like that about the game because the actual game is fantastic. Within a cooperative game which it, where everybody is playing, trying to achieve the same type of goals, this also has a pick-up-and-deliver mechanism that I really enjoy. You, mm-hmm. you, you find somebody, and, and you have to take them across the board and drop them off, and then when you do that, you get a little
0: reward. I, yeah. Get, it's, them, get it's, them to their safe space.
1: Yeah, it's so fun. Um, there are a lot of little mini-quests within this game, and, mm-hmm. and I enjoy that, uh, not, not to mention just a the theme. It, it's, it's a really uh, unique game with how the monsters are, are, are built into it. And like I said, even though they're monsters and it's a, a perfect game for Halloween or anything like that, it, it's not scary.
0: Yeah, and that's actually on my list too. It's actually on my list as a nitpick and a what I like, which oh. is the subject matter, which I think people could be thrown off by the subject matter. That being said... Michael hit it on the head. This is not a scary game. There's nothing that goes into any of the blood and gore that you would expect from a monster thing. In reality, if you go back and watch some of those movies from the 30s and 40s, they're probably pretty darn— little silly. A <laughs> little, little tame by today's standards of, of horror genre. Uh, and the—so it's, n- it's not intimidating, You know, and and, then, but it's not jokey either. Yeah. You know, that's what, you know, it's not silly little drawings. They're, they're nice. It's got great artwork and realistic artwork without being scary. It's not going to get, your kids aren't going to get nightmares playing this game. But it's not, oh, oh, we, we made this kid friendly and it's, you know, for five and six year olds. That's not the case either. So I love the, the subject matter on, on this game. Part of the reason probably is that when I was little, we used to go to the library and there was this uh, set of books, monster books. that had like a, a yellow cover and they were all based on the Universal Monsters. Okay. And me and my brothers used to check those out all the time. Oh. And. Uh, so there's so, some nostalgia type. Yeah, it reminds me of that totally. The other thing I like about this game, especially as a family game, is the adjustable difficulty. Mm-hmm. So I think the novice game has you playing against two monsters. Tom,
1: b- break that down a little bit more for our listeners. What, what do you mean by the adjustable difficulty?
0: Well, there's a novice game. It tells you to play with two he- two mo- against two monsters. You can make it harder by playing against three monsters, or you could play against four out of the six monsters that are in the game. There's six monsters in the game. Wolfman, Mummy, Invisible Man, Creature from the Black Lagoon, Dracula, and the Frankenstein and his Bride. So you pick out two, three, or four of those, which is great for playing with younger kids. And you can play two heroes, and and you might walk through it. You know, it's not going to be the hardest challenge in the world. Or you can play with three, or you can say we're going for four. Right. And and there's that's a thing with cooperative games that is a hard balance is getting the difficulty right. Nobody wants to get smashed. Over and over again and never win. You also don't want to win every time. Uh, what's the fun of that? You know, yeah, it's fun if you get to, if you win every time and it always comes down to the last turn. Yeah, that's exciting. But you want to lose sometimes, but I also don't want to get beat up and left by the side of the road by the game. Right. Right. And to that point, I had this game
1: in the office yesterday, getting ready for the show a little bit. And my oldest daughter walked in. She said, "Oh, we should play that again." So yeah, you're right. And then, right, right there, she said, "You know, we've never beaten it, Dad." <laughs> and I thought, okay, Josie's played this game with me three times, and I was recalling each time. One first time, uh, don't we start played with it, the hardest challenge, Michael. Well, we didn't. No, no, we Michael did pulls novice. out four we monsters out of Creature the game, Creature of Black Lagoon and Dracula. But I could remember each one of those games came down to the final turn. Yeah, Josie and her cousin, we were playing, and it came down on the last turn, and Dracula got us. And it's that moment where, well, what should we have done differently? Should we play again? How are we going to do this differently next time? Uh, but there are a lot of games where if you don't win, it's just not as enjoyable or memorable. And, and this game certainly has that built in.
0: Yeah, the other part that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with that that I have is the variability of this game. With the six different monsters, you can play with different monsters and mix up th- those combinations. They all function very differently in the way that you defeat them and so mixing up that, that group of monsters you have the variability in the difficulty but the variability in the actual game and throw in what, seven, seven characters seven. that you can yep. be with different abilities you get Four on average, four action turns uh, per player, which is similar to a pandemic type game, the number of actions that you can do on the turn. So the variability here is this is not you if you've played it once, you have you can keep playing it over and over again.
1: Yeah, and the board is one where it's not linear like shoots and ladders, where you're just going in a straight line. You can truly choose to go, I'm going to go north, I'm going to go south, I'm going to go off in this direction, I'm going to use the waterway. And at the same time, you can kind of get across the board as a group in a round. In a three or four player game, you can pretty well get across the board if you're working together. But if I want to be a solo or an alpha gamer and just try to take on everything, I'm going to get destroyed by the monsters. So that that's the last thing that I wanted to just to let our listeners know that that cooperation is definitely built right into the game. And I think that fits young gamers, whether it's 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-olds, in a great way.
0: Yeah. The last thing I have is the quality, uh, the artwork on this game, and just the—you the, can tell the care that went into the game. You know, I think on the back of the player cards, it's, it's like, little, like stained— you know, there's stain marks on it, like it's old. And it's just, the colors are bright. It comes with little plastic miniatures. Uh, of course, mine are painted. They look awesome. Yeah, the character cards look like coasters that have been sitting at
1: your grandma's house just a little <laughs> too long. Yeah, You know, yep. you turn them over, that, that's a great call.
0: Yep, so overall, it's a, it's a great game. It's, it was a darling of the gaming world last year. Uh, shortly before Halloween. So it's it's popular in the gaming world, and it's available at Walmarts and Targets. Uh, so why don't we get into some some skills, what skills are behind this game, unless you have any other nitpicks you want to get oh, to. Oh, I have one nitpick.
1: Okay. Yeah, I have one that I, I didn't air a grievance here. This is a game people need to play unplugged. So I would just encourage, with with some games you can absolutely bring a phone to the table, have a game on in the background and be watching, you know, a football or basketball game. This game is not one of those because the action is constant. So even if it's Doug's turn and he has four moves to make, we're able to talk. So I'm able to give input on what he should do on his moves. And some of the people who I play games with will often... It's their downtime, so they'll be... You know, checking Facebook or and I'm guilty of watching a game. If if my favorite sports team's on, I'm I'm probably going to have them on the TV while I'm playing a board game. And with horrified, it's one that it just requires everyone's attention to get maximum enjoyment out of it. That's not a nitpick on the game, but the fact that it's a
0: cooperative. It's a, it's a nitpick on your family. It, well, let's it, be honest. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but but not just my family. I've played this game with a lot of different groups, and if they're if you have one person who's not engaged but just quote unquote wants to play, but they really want to play with the dog or play with something else, just politely ask them not to come to the table to play this one. You yeah. really want people who wanna wanna play the game, sure, not yeah. just come along for the ride.
0: And that while you're talking, remind me of the one thing I wanted to add: uh, the alpha gaming can happen in this game, so. Just put that out there. We talked about what that is last week. Two weeks ago. Last Episode week. one. Last week I talked about it. Edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping it in. Um, so Alpha Gaming can crop up here. But the other thing I wanted to point out when I was talking about the quality is the attention to detail of the characters and the items that you're picking up along the board and the villagers. I was looking at it a little bit closer today, and it's like they're all... Characters from the movie, they're all you know, you're uh why can't I think of his name? Is it uh Renwick? Or who's the who's the guy from Dracula? Golly.
1: Ravensburger? Ro- <laughs> Robinsberger? Yeah, that, oh yeah,
0: that's it. Ravensburger. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm looking li- through the cards. Literally looking shuffle, through the cards. Shuffle, 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 shuffle. Renfield. Renfield. Renfield is, is in pull. the game. Those those characters. Um, so there's a lot of lot of thought that went into the into the theming of this game, which I, I really appreciate. All right.
1: Yeah, and then the last thing that I'll say and and this is a common theme with a lot of our recommended games, fantastic rule book. And know that if we ever have a recommended game of the week and the rule book is garbage, which may happen, we'll tell you about that too. This is a, a really nice rule book where the setup shows you exactly how it should be on the board, and the how to play. You can you can you can open this up without ever playing it and, and teach your family and play it at the same time. And it's that's not the way with all of our games. All right, we getting into skills, Doug? All right,
0: yeah, let's get into let's some see skills over
1: there. Rocking like you want to attack the mic here. Go ahead, nope. what do you got?
0: All right, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a heavy hitter first. The uh, you mentioned it in the what you liked about the game, and it's gonna be logistics. Pick up and deliver. We got a game that allows students to manage the flow of production between the point of origin and the point of consumption. So those items are popping out on the board all over the place, even the villagers, and you've gotta drop them off in different places, whether that's getting a villager to a safe space or collecting enough weapons or uh, science experiments and taking them to the lab well and even know when to put a beat down on the monster
1: part of that is logistics too because sometimes you got to know when to run away from the monster if they're two spaces away from you but yep. other times you got to know to it's I can hold on yeah. yeah
0: and when the monster attacks if he attacks you you drop if you have them you drop some of your items uh, one of them I, I believe for each hit point that you take yep. so there is a, a well, I'm just gonna jump into it. Risk management is how how many items am I holding? Can I afford to stay here and kind of because the monster's gonna move to whoever's closest to him. So if you can stay there with a bunch of items and take the attack, that can be a good thing. Be a shield, yeah, for your and, other and teammates. Whether you're it's like I need to run because I'm in in the danger zone. I'm on the highway to the danger zone, or I can stick around. But sorry, I just wanted to throw in risk management also on my list, oh, but if good. you've got more on logistics. Nope, I don't have more on either of those. I, the, You want me to lead off with one yeah. here? Either of those on your list? No, they're not. Oh, and I'm I, shocked. I thought you'd be all over yeah. logistics.
1: Yeah, it's – well, and, and cooperation and collaboration aren't on my list either, and that's where there were very specific skills that I think come to the surface for this game – that aren't in other games that we've reviewed or or that I've played. And one of those is spatial perception. I got that, baby. All right. And our definition of spatial perception is a game that requires, or I'm sorry, a game that strengthens a student's understanding of the spatial relationships with the objects in their environment as well as them as well as themselves. So the way that the board is set up, and I talked about it a little bit earlier. You can't just move wherever you want on the board. You've got four actions. You've got to time your movements, and you've got to figure out how you're going to get across this board uh, to either escort people to safety or to take out monsters. And I I really see that that skill is present in this game, and it's not in in all board games.
0: All right. Yep, I got that on my list too. And just being able, I'm even just on the simple part of you're drawing the tokens out of the bag Mm -hmm. and where they show up and there's, I mean, you're looking around the board. It's like, oh, that's the end, and you you got to move and shuffle everything around, and that, yeah. Uh, looking, looking from the token to the board to the and seeing where everything is, and okay, I'm putting it in the end, but I got to get to the cathedral. Where's the cathedral? So there is a lot of that spatial awareness that's happening throughout the game on that one. Yeah,
1: and a related skill that I have, and I, I we've heard from three of your skills, so I don't know if this will be out there but it's conflict management, and we define conflict management as a game that allows students to identify and handle conflicts sensibly, reasonably, and efficiently, and I have it interrelated to spatial perception because when I've played this game with kids, with humans who have underdeveloped frontal lobes, and and people take that as an insult. No, that's just science. Your frontal lobe is (laughs) underdeveloped. Your frontal lobe of your brain doesn't develop fully until you're like 25 years old. So playing with 8, 9, 10, 12, even 15, 16-year-old cousins, nieces, and nephews, there's conflict that comes up because they want to do something, and they have it the right way. And as an adult at the table, some of it is, well, how much of that pain are we going to let them experience? And then, when is the rest of the group really need to step in? And and that, that's that's present in this game as well, just because of the interactions that happen when the game's on the table.
0: All right, yeah, that was not on my list. Uh, I'm buying it, so I'm going to move on to so
1: first, ladies and gentlemen. Three episodes <laughs> that
0: he's bought one that's not on my list. Ding! Uh, I'm going to go to a tried and true. Got to put it on there. There is a lot of thinking skills that show up in this game, and I had to go with tactical. Yeah, because your favorite. It is my favorite. And I'll make a quick case for strategic here, which I also thought about putting on my list, because the game provides the overarching strategy and goal that you have to have for each villain uh, and each monster that you're trying to defeat. And so I'm like, you have the game builds that in, that you need to go and work towards that goal and figure out how you're going to do it. That being said, tactical, you're not buying that one? No, I love it. I'm distracted, man.
1: Hold on. <laughs> I just got in your game box here, Doug. Doug, my pieces don't look this beautiful. No, they look, didn't look, come, you got her painted. That didn't
0: come out of the box like look that? that?
1: Look at the creature from, the, from Black Lagoon or Blue Lagoon. Look at this okay. guy. Lagoon. Look at that one. <laughs> green, but look at the mouth. The mouth is blue. You painted these minifigures.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is great audio content. <laughs> Renaissance, man. Yeah, they can't see it, but... They're great. Mine don't look like that. No, they didn't come like that. So anyway, moving on to to tactical thinking. This, Like most cooperative games, there's stuff getting thrown at you all the time. You need to adapt. Tactical thinking, a game that challenges students to make decisions. Based on currently available information, and yeah. that information is constantly changing. With new, new villagers coming out on the board, the monster moved to a different place. You have uh, you, there's more items on the board that you need to pick up. So things are constantly changing in this game, and you need to adapt. Especially when a monster takes out a player.
1: Yeah, right. If a monster takes out a player, you, you've got to really react and, and make a, a different decision.
0: All right, what else you got?
1: I've got Personal Responsibility, a game that highlights the cause and effect nature of a student's actions and the related result. And I I did insert student there. Sorry about that. But student, gamer, we use them interchangeably. Definitely high levels of personal responsibility in this game. And for individuals who struggle to take responsibility for their actions, the Game group will call them out because your decisions matter, and that may be a little too on the nose. What I like about this game are how the heroes in my that, that's what they're called, right? These are heroes, the coast. in my
0: mind, they're heroes, yeah. Regardless that, of what the game calls them, in my he, mind, they're heroes. Yeah,
1: you and I might have this part wrong from the setup. We don't draw these at random or blind in our house. We we allow some, you know, the gamer gets to pick them. I, I, I should consult the rules to see how you play
0: in the game. Another Michael McCabe house rule.
1: McCabeism. yep. <laughs> but that personal responsibility of I have my hero, I'm going to take my actions, I'm going to attack the monster, I'm going to run from the monster, I'm going to help out a teammate, I, I like how that's built into the game. It doesn't... There's not the mischief that is in other cooperative games of, ha, 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 I did this to you, but I'm still going to
0: win. You kind of have to all be in it to win it. Sure, and that uh, goes with my last skill, cooperation. Uh, Had to put that one on this list. Uh, I feel like there's a strong sense of cooperation on this one. Every time I've played the game, there's a fair amount of discussion, and the rules are simple for people to understand that they can get involved in the discussion right away they're not some games some cooperative games are so rule heavy yeah. that the new person at the table feels uncomfortable making a suggestion on what somebody else should do or or seeing a different angle and this one the rule set is light enough and the tasks are simple enough that new players feel comfortable diving right into that discussion and that that cooperation.
1: Yeah, and to your point on that, and I know we've had a lot of agreement on this one, but I think that's because we see the game similarly, and it's it's a pretty darn good game. You taught me how to play the game at a game night, so on like a, a Tuesday or a Thursday. I went out, bought the game, taught my daughter and niece how to play the game that weekend, and that, that level of accessibility also lends itself to the cooperation component because if if i can learn the game and one playing through and <laughs> teach it all right if a doctor of education can learn the game, anyone hey, can. No, stop, man. There are <laughs> things that I'm better at teaching than other things, all right? I'm the least handiest person alive. I cannot hammer a nail into something or I, I don't give me a drill. I'll lose a finger, all right? Teaching board games is not an area of strength for me right now. I'm working on it, and I I mean that that's a part of the, the cooperative aspect of this because you can learn the game together, and even if you have a ton of expertise, or I've, I've played the game probably ten or twelve times now, I don't have that much of an advantage over somebody who's playing for the first time.
0: Yep, yep, I agree. All right, you, what do you got left on your list? I'm all, I'm all out. Yeah, I have teamwork. I think we've we've um,
1: asked and answered that. I, I just want to give the definition to our listeners: the game schooler definition of teamwork. That's a game that promotes a collaborative effort of a group to achieve a common goal in the most efficient and effective way. And that efficiency and effectiveness is something that we've talked about in previous shows and we'll continue to talk about. The game can can be done in 30 minutes. More times than not, it's going to go about an hour, but a lot of that has to do with your effectiveness and, and efficiency.
0: And, and when the wolf man is chasing you down, you really can't loaf wolfy around. Stuff. Yeah, you gotta get out of there. <laughs> Meander I, I'm gonna stop at the shop. I'm gonna pick up some candy before I <laughs> No nope. You gotta you Done. gotta get where you need to go and get there fast.
1: And then the last one that I have is group discussion. That's a game the game instigates the sharing of ideas, solving of problems, or providing a feedback within a group. This is not a game where you're silent. I'm gonna take my four actions in silence do not give me your opinion. No, you're talking about what's best here. Which monster should I go after? And some of the monsters have objectives within their cards that you have to achieve before you can really take them out. Uh, Doug talked about Dracula, but the the lagoon creature, um, he's got a little mini game that you got to take care of before you can really go after him. Uh, So that group discussion component is is built into it. Doug, I know this doesn't make for great radio, but I got to ask, when you painted The Invisible Man, did you look at a picture of Billy Zane for inspiration, <laughs> the character actor? <laughs> this is like if Billy Zane met Woody Harrelson. This is perfect. The bathrobe, man, you paint your your characters. How long does this take you to do?
0: I have no idea. Okay. I don't keep track. No, it's, it's good a, stuff, man. You, you paint a little layer, you got to let it dry, so it's a... It's a long process, but your actual painting time is not as long as you'd think. Uh, so that's. Do you I,
1: not want me making fun of you for the painting? I'm not making well, fun of why, you. I, yeah, why I are you making? Fun? I, I think
0: it's. Uh, I wouldn't have referred that to that as making fun of, but now that I know that's where your heart's oh, at. I, I, I just <laughs>
1: saw the eyebrow flare up there. Like, why is he coming after me with the painting? No, it's. Uh, it's another nice thing in the game. The 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 pieces are are are, paintable.
0: Yeah, they certainly are. <laughs> Alright, so that's our recommended game of the week, Horrified Universal Monsters by Robinsberger, available at every big box store right now, and certainly online, so if that's interesting to you, go check it out. This segment is brought to you by Trail by Rail, a skill builder for Ticket to Ride, Did the player who won the longest route bonus card in the game actually build the longest rail in miles? Students will review basic math processes and learn to use map applications with the help of this 16 page guide. Your gamers will also have the chance to explore how train travel has advanced through the years. This skill builder is for grades 3 to 5 and teaches healthy competition, spatial perception, and problem solving skills. And don't forget geography and arithmetic. So the question is, Did you really have the longest route?
1: The School of Gaming. In the School of Gaming, we discuss concepts, keywords, etiquette, and helpful ideas in the world of gaming and education. This week, we'll be talking about cooperative games and STEM.
0: All right, so I'm going to take the lead here with cooperative gaming, cooperative games. So we've talked about Marvel United, we've talked about Horrified Universal Monsters, we talked about Alpha Gaming, and it occurred to me, we haven't really talked about cooperative gaming, and there may be people out there that have no idea what that concept yeah. is. So, a cooperative game is a game that everyone's working together towards a common goal. And some, for some people, this might be weird because these games may have existed, but did not have prominence when we were kids. No. Uh, so largely, I believe, I'm going to do a little history here. I believe Re- Dr. Reiner Kenitia with Lord of the Rings in 2000 that came out was, I believe it's credited as one of the first cooperative games.
1: Lord of the Rings or War of the Rings?
0: The Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, okay. Now, Dr. Reiner Knizia re-releases all of his games over and over again with different titles. And he also has another Lord of the Rings game that's a two-player game. And I think there's a third one that none of them are related. But that was, from what I can tell, I think it's the first one. Okay. The cooperative gaming really gained prominence with Pandemic, Pandemic, which is 2005 that came out. Okay. So the, the world of cooperative gaming blew up in 2005. That's only 15 years ago.
1: Does it come and go as titles come and go? I feel like we'll play three or four cooperative games and then they'll kinda of, the, the, the title go down for a few months, then a couple more will pop up and I come think out it's and hit pretty the shelf. Steady. Pretty steady, okay. I,
0: I, I think that there's types of cooperative games that will you know, somebody will come up with a new spin and then there'll be two or three takes on that type of concept. But I think it's a fairly and I think it's become more of a popular category as the as the years have gone on I, of course like i said we're saying that it's fi- it's 15 years we're talking about 15 years of a popular category something becoming popular so there's a couple of different versions or types of cooperative games there's some games that have the players are using open information and that's where pretty much everybody knows what everybody else has all of the cards that they have pandemic would be one of these there's no reason for players to be playing Pandemic and keeping their city cards hidden from anybody else. Horrified is also another version of that where everybody knows what tokens everybody else has, yeah. and you're working together. Those are the type of games that can a lot of times lead to that alpha gaming because somebody can look one at whatever. One person can play
1: for all four people at the yep, table.
0: Yep, The other one works. Uh, there's other uh, cooperative games that have personal information, so Marvel United be, would be one of those where I have my deck of or my hand of cards but I'm not showing you that. Yeah. Marvel Champions is another one. Gloomhaven is another one where the the decision that I'm making on my turn is my decision, nobody else's even though we're all sharing sharing the common goal. Another set of cooperative games are ones that they either rely on hidden information or communication restrictions. So games like The Mind, where you cannot talk to anybody, or just one, you're not communicating with anybody, you're just writing something down, or a game like Mysterium, where you're communicating through cards, but you can't say anything out loud. Uh, So there's a a whole kind of genre of cooperative games that have that type of a scenario. And then the last one that I can really think of is games like Shadows Over Camelot and Dead uh, of Winter, which are—I don't know either of those. Okay, so they are—they have traitor elements. Okay. Okay, so you're with a, a p- bank or with another person? No, traitor with a oh, T. Oh, traitor,
1: traitor, with an O R?
0: With an O R. Okay. Yeah. So you <laughs> Trader Tra- Tra- with the T? I yeah. Yeah. Trader. <laughs> trader Joe's. Okay. He's a jerk. No. Um. He's—he screwed us over big time. He is such a traitor, traitor. So in Shadows of Camelot, you're you're cooperatively working in the game, but one of you may actually be actively working against you. There's a trick trickster figure in yeah, the game. but you yeah. don't know that. And in, in some of these games, you, there may not be one. Whoa. So you're you're going around and and accusing people like Michael. That seems like kind of a shady sh- shady deal you got going That's on there. This what I do. And that's and that's part of it is that, in a lot of cooperative games, you have to do bad things. Yeah, you know, it's a in Pandemic, it's like, all right, do bad first, then or or whatever. It's always that kind of reminder, It's like, don't forget to do your bad stuff. And so you add that to a cooperative game, and meaning you have there's an element of the game
1: that you have to essentially defeat before you can contribute to the greater good.
0: Yeah, yeah, or something that. Uh, Making the game engine run, yeah. the, the part that's playing against you, whether it's you, a curse, and, or, and yeah, yeah, sometimes it's just yeah. flipping a card over. It. It's like you have no control over it. But uh, so that is the other, uh, the last part of kind of cooperative games that I can think of off the top of my head. The we've talked before. Sometimes cooperative games can lead to alpha gaming, but that doesn't mean that they have that they're they're bad. And I wanted to highlight. Two big points that I think are are the real strong takeaways on cooperative gaming. One is that it protects weaker players. Thank you. So you have everybody on the same team. You can play with kids of different skill levels and and experience levels and fold them in nicely. Yeah. You know, if you're playing a a competitive game and one kid has a poorly developed frontal lobe, like you've discussed underdeveloped <laughs> frontal lobe. Oh, sorry. Not poorly. Is that Correct. bad? It is. <laughs> They're different. Okay, well that why, that's why you're the doctor. I don't know these things. I don't know these medical terms. I'm not that kind of doctor. Keep talking here, man. All right. So sometimes you've got players that are at different skill levels and in a cooperative game or a co- competitive game They the, get smashed. The, yeah, the more experienced a gamer is going to destroy them, The so it a, co- a cooperative game protects those players you can fold them into the game and and they can have a great experience it also works with emotional gamers yeah so that'd be me you know you flip over the the card and bad things happen oh man and it's a little bit easier when you're sharing it amongst four or five people than that one bad thing happening yeah happening to you then you overcome it as a group. Yeah, so that I I just think those are really strong learning uh, cues. I and have one other thing to add into that, if I may, on that topic. All right. Yeah, yeah,
1: on that specific topic. What I really enjoy about
0: cooperative is this about games, a frontal lobe.
1: No. Okay. What I really enjoy about cooperative games, if people want to play games, a cooperative game is an excellent game to bring to the table, and that might sound obvious, but there's such a high level of interaction and involvement with the game uh, that I tend to lose track of time. The other piece, I'm colorblind, and we've talked about that almost every week. I was going to try to get through one week without it. Impossible. But in a competitive game, I can't ask
0: you if that's green or yellow. It's a competitive game. It doesn't stop you. Well, in a cooperative (laughs) game. uh, (laughs) Just asking for a friend, is that green or yellow?
1: (laughs) In a cooperative game, of course I'll ask because everybody else's turn is also at stake. So people are going to actually be honest with me.
0: Yeah, and there's a the the one of the things that competitive games being such a great introductory game for for non gamers and bringing people into the hobby is that you know we talk a lot about kids and students and young gamers in this podcast. You don't have to be young to be intimidated by a game and not want to play it and feel like, oh, you know, Doug's been playing for so long, he's gonna destroy us, so why even bother playing? And cooperative game eases somebody's foot in the door, which is That's a good point. Which is great. And the last thing, this is for, for moms and dads out there, is a cooperative game lets you help all of the kids equally. Without feeling like you're showing favoritism or having one kid yell at you because you're helping the younger kid more. But I hate spaghetti. Yeah, yeah. Well, why aren't you doing that for me? Because you're four years older and you know those things, you know? So that, uh, I'll just throw that last little nugget in there. You can help everyone equally, That's love all of your children equally.
1: That's interesting.
0: All right, and, and a cooperative game is the only thing that allows you to do that, or you're saying? Yes. no, okay. that is the only thing, okay. uh, and everything else, I, we cannot, we're not even.
1: Yeah, so um, this next one, I, I'm going to cover STEM tonight. So you, this, today, this, this is going to be morning, a six-hour podcast. This afternoon, <laughs> and for my teacher friends out there, you're not my target audience. You're a teacher. You know what STEM is. It's a bad part of the broccoli. Well, here's the thing about our target audience. We want gamers to listen to this and to learn something about school and education and their own children's, nieces, nephews' school experience. We also want teachers and educators to listen to this and to learn about board games. So once in a while, you might hear something that you have been hearing about since teacher in service of 2014 15. And I promise I'm not going to bring you the bloodborne pathogen training that we all get annually as well. I'm just going to break down this concept of STEM.
0: But we're yeah. doing that right after you get done talking, yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. The game, the game schooler bloodborne pathogen training. Yep,
1: I'm going to yeah. head outside and get on your rope swing and, and see if we can do a little okay. you know, experiential learning <laughs> with your kiddos. All right, sounds good. <laughs> um, if it's wet and sticky, don't pick it up. Um, STEM. What is it? STEM is an acronym. Like all bad things in education, it has an acronym. And and I mean that tongue in cheek. I, I cannot stand acronyms because of my time as a teacher and an educator, but the S stands for science. The T is technology. The E is engineering and the M is math. And those four components Fit together and form what's called commonly referred to as interdisciplinary projects and procedures and processes. And why is this big? Why is this important? As automation is here and on the horizon, and artificial intelligence and all those other pieces that, that are coming into play. About 10, 11 years ago, we in the United States and in other countries too, but really in the U.S., noticed some skill gaps and we were falling behind other countries, and it specifically in science and math. And this STEM initiative really came on strong. And there, were, there was corporate backing, there was backing from the U.S. Department of Ed. And where it's grown to today, you have entire schools that are known as this is a STEM school. and the one that that it gets a lot of publicity and has for the last decade is High Tech High out in San Diego, California, a project based learning school that the students are doing science, technology, engineering, and math a lot. And so I just wanted to to cover that because if if you're a dad and you're walking into a school, right, and you're intimidated. Your oldest is in second grade, and you you hear, like, uh, what project? A STEM project. Like Doug just said, isn't that the piece of the broccoli that I never eat when I never eat my broccoli? And, and so there are a lot of acronyms out there, but what what the whole STEM field is, it takes science, technology, engineering, and math, and there are usually standards for each of those that are broken down and aligned, and puts those components together, uh, typically in some sort of hands-on project-based learning. I'm just going to talk for another 30 seconds, Doug. Uh, STEAM is when the art elements are fused in. You'll hear that once in a while. And then a few years ago, uh, stream was also thrown in there, and the R was for religion. So those... Phrases and phraseology and, and acronyms are, are certainly in K 12. And, um, you know, computer science is in there too. I don't know how to get the C in with, uh, with the STEM or where that would fit. But <laughs> it, <it's... laughs>
0: Pretty soon it's going to be the <laughs> longest acronym in the world. Well,
1: you can keep adding letters. It's what people do in education and with a EduSpeak. Uh, but I just wanted to break that down so people have that and know that. And anybody who's in a city, There's a STEM program, a maker space, there's something going on, but it's not just cities. It's rural America and it's not just America, it's worldwide, there are STEM programs and it's really become a part of a lot of K-12 schools, public,
0: private, you name it. Let's head on over to the High Five Challenge. The High Five Challenge is brought to you by Exploring Ancient Wonders, a subject builder for seven wonders. Subject builders are a perfect tie-in to any game and provide valuable context before playing. From the Pharaohs to Alexander the Great, historic leaders commissioned wonders, and ancient civilizations built a wide variety of magnificent structures. The board game Seven Wonders highlights the historic, must-see sites that shaped Western culture. In exploring ancient wonders, gamers explore the pyramids, bronze statues, temples, and monuments that comprise the Seven Wonders of the ancient world. If
1: you're anything like us, you are constantly on the hunt for new games to try out. I have four of them upstairs I'm taking home tonight. <laughs> Each week for the high 5 challenge, Doug shares a top 5 list of family-friendly games and Michael, me chooses the topic. This week's topic is games with famous
0: IPs. All right, this is a good one. Yeah. This is let's, a good let's list. Let's tell
1: them what IPs
0: are. Maybe okay. we're going
1: to do that, but let's break it down for our non-gamer friends who are just jumping into the yeah, gamer Yeah, let gamer me friends. address an
0: acronym now. Yeah, get it. Intellectual property.
1: That's what I thought it meant.
0: But what does that mean in gaming? What does that mean in gaming? If it's famous and you've heard of it before, it's probably an intellectual property. Something that somebody created. This is your TV shows, your movies. Um... Video games. Yeah, the Heinz secret recipe is probably an intellectual property of the Heinz Corp, or the Bush's baked beans. Colonel's secret uh, spices are intellectual property, correct? Yeah, food on the mind, man. I'm hungry. All right. Um, right? That covers it. Yeah. it? yeah, that's good. So these are going to be name brands, famous properties, universes that you've probably heard of. And this is... An awesome list. There's good games on here, and to be fair, not too long ago, intellectual property games were garbage. Yeah, when, like when we were kids, you'd go in and there would be a, a GI Joe game, and it's just a reskin of Candyland.
1: Well, even ten years ago, man. Yeah. I mean, when you know Dominion, Catan. Like when I was playing board games back in, in that era, pre kids,
0: I avoided those. Those. Yeah, they come to the, they come to the big box stores it'd be tied into some new movie that's coming out and it you'd open it up the rules didn't make sense it looks like it was thrown again thrown together in a week probably because it was to cash in on whatever movie Cha-ching. that was coming out yeah and luckily that has changed quite a bit in the last five years, maybe even three years. I, Oh, yeah. Most of these games that are on my list are probably within the— certainly in the last five years, probably close to the last three years. It
1: no longer looks like the free toy you get out of a Happy Meal.
0: Exactly, yep. So uh, this week I only have two honorable mentions. One of them is not yet released, but I can talk about its— How's that work, man? I can talk about its pedigree. Now, one of my favorite IPs for anybody that knows me is Star Wars. yeah. Most of the Star Wars games that are on the market are not – I'm not going to say they're not family-friendly, but they're rules-heavy. Oh, they're super rules-heavy. Brain-burning. you got to really be into it. So it's not something you're going to sit down and play with grandma and grandpa. However, there is an Unlock Star Wars escape game oh. coming out. The Unlock series is an escape room in a box. And My family loves them. They're great. So that one is going to be great if you love Star Wars. I have no problem recommending it before I've ever played it because the pedigree of Unlocked and the pedigree of an IP of Star Wars Marriage Made in Heaven. So just
1: take 10 more seconds and explain what Unlocked is to some of our listeners who may not have played it.
0: So an escape room in general is you're locked into a room and you've got an hour to, to get out of it, to, to escape out of the room. And an escape room game tries to simulate that feel. There's a wide variety of, of brands of those. There's the Unlock series, there's the Exit series, there's a, a Deckscape series, and they all kind of work different and similar. The Exit game, for example, you are cutting up and destroying components, and it is you play it and you are done. Yeah. You, you know, that's, it's ending up in the garbage when you're done. The Unlock, I really like. It uses an app on your phone. It's completely replayable. And, you know, so... And, and if you start playing enough of them like I have...
1: There's little tricks. Well,
0: I, I couldn't... I might remember one or two moments from yeah. a from a game that was like, oh, okay, I remember I have to do that. But once you start playing enough of them, it's like, this is which one again? That I've actually gone back and played, and, it, and I have a little bit of an advantage, but not much. So... It's it's great that you could play them again or you could just pass them on to a friend and they're not completely destroyed. So that's... Does that uh, fill in the gaps? That's great. All right. So the other one that just missed my list is Marvel Legendary, a deck-building game. Okay. That has like 8 million exp- expansions to it. It's branched out into other IPs. I have the James Bond Legendary. Oh.
1: No way! I want to play that one. <laughs> Okay, so the Marvel Legendary, that's what we played a couple weeks ago, a month ago, right?
0: I don't know that you've ever played Marvel Legendary. What did we play, Marvel Champions? We played Marvel Champions. Okay, my bad, my bad. No, Marvel Legendary, it's a deck-building game, fairly, eh, it's not too complicated, but there's a bunch of expansions. So
1: it's what's called a living card game? Is that right? No, no, it's not a a living
0: card game. It's just got... How about I just let you talk about the games, and (laughs) I'll just be quiet. So... Uh, yeah, we can do that. So Marvel Legendary, if it was a, the first first Marvel game that came out that was somewhat thematic and felt really took advantage of the IP, so there's that one. Now let's get on to the actual list. Number five is Thanos Rising. This is has also, if you're a Harry Potter fan, has been re-implemented as Death Eaters Rising. Yay! Find this. There's a common theme here with. IP games and sometimes they can be reskinned and re themed into new games. And luckily, these don't really lose the. That would imply that they're a generic game that you can just make them about whatever, but they do a pretty good job of making them unique for the IP that they're representing. But I think Thanos Rising is the original one, it's a cooperative game. You are rolling dice, acquiring new heroes, and trying to defeat Thanos before he acquires all of the Infinity Stones. Straight and simple. Awesome. What's What are you having for? Number four, Marvel United. We already talked about that yeah. a bunch. Last week, also a cooperative game. That'll be another theme. There's only one game on this list that's not cooperative, and I don't know if that's... Um, just a marketing thing, that it's easier, as we talked earlier, it's easier to get people into games with cooperative games. Interesting. And, uh, you know, kind of provide that so- social lubricant to bring yeah. people together. But Well, the impetus for the idea for this high five came
1: from Horrified, just okay. thinking about, you know, IP. So
0: so Marvel United, we talked about it last week. Don't think I need to go into too much more Two on that one. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. The next one is Disney Villainous. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's actually kind of four games in one. They came out with the original. Actually, five games in one. Yeah. Uh, they came out with the original. It's got Captain Hook, Jafar, Maleficent, Prince John, Queen of Hearts, and Ursula.
1: Sounds like you've spent some time with that yeah. game recently. Well, and
0: I got a list here, too. Yeah, that helps. Then, the, then they released expansions, but you can actually just buy an expansion and play that right out of the box. Yeah. It's only going to be three players, but it it's works. still the full game. And that the first one had... Doctor Facilier, uh, Evil Queen, and Hades, and the next one had Radigan from The Great Mouse Detective, Scar and Yzma from The Emperor's New Groove. Yep. The most recent one had Cruella De Vil, Mother Gothel, and Pete from Mickey Mouse fame. Oh, That dastardly yeah. Pete! Yeah, hey, that Mickey the Mouse. <sighs> um, and they just came. <laughs> they just came out with. Uh Marvel Villainous. And so this is a game... Have you played that one yet? I have not. It is on the shelf.
1: Note to self, all of them are Marvel except one so far. Yes. All of them have a Marvel tie-in except the yes. first honorable mention.
0: Yep, so. yeah, Well, sorry. No,
1: it's good, man. That's your uh, thing. Keep
0: going. <laughs> the In Disney Villainous, you're playing as one of the villains trying to accomplish their task from the movie. Yeah. And the other players play the heroes into your area into your to, deck, to kind your of realm. screw you yep. up. Uh, so that's how Alice gets into the game. That's how Aladdin and Jasmine get Peter into Pan, the game. Peter Pan, baby. Yeah. So that's a, a great one. It's a, could be a tough teach because every character plays very differently. But I feel like once you get People familiar with the game, the experience is very rewarding. Well, and
1: we're working on that. Yeah. And and we've got a skill builder designed to teach that game easier and almost a gameplay guide. So we're
0: working on helping that. And the, what was I going to say? The um, My shameless plug threw you off? It did throw me off, wildly off. Um, Yeah, who knows? Must not have been important. Uh, Next one, (laughs) Universal... Monsters Horrified is my number two. Talked about that today. Don't need to go over that anymore. And the number one on my list is Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle. Great great game. And this is a deck-building game, which we'll talk about that in a a school of gaming at at a later time, but in more detail. But it's cooperative. You're playing together. The great thing about this game is that it teaches deck-building, to people that have never played a deck-building game, and it ramps up through every story of Harry Potter. You th- play through the entire seven series. There's seven. In seven, the, yep. Yeah, all seven. There's a game for every uh, movie.
1: Characters and, get added. They yep. age over time.
0: Yep, you get new abilities as the game goes on, and it is fantastic. It's got a spinoff game. For two players, called Defense Against the Dark Arts, which is also awesome, great game uses a lot of the same concepts. And if you've got even younger gamers, uh, Toy Story Obstacles and Adventures uses the exact same system. Oh, and works for for younger gamers, and and, and can get them. This, I didn't know that the same type of system. So, uh, Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle. That's my number one.
1: That's, that's a fantastic game and for all the things that that you just mentioned, um, it, the first time you play it, it's quick, but by the time it's it's game five and six, that is a lengthy game. It's,
0: it's a meaty game. yeah and I'll give you a pointer for how to clean that up. It's a there's a part of what can make that game kind of long is there's a market phase. There's a, there's a market that you buy new cards that you add into your yeah, deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when they release the Toy Story Obstac- Obstacles and Adventures, they put in a new rule, which if the same card comes out in the market, you stack it on top of the other one. Oh, cool. Okay, so, so you buy you ha- two for one? Well, no, you just have more variability. Because what, what, what happens in, in Harry Potter is that deck gets very large. Yes. And you get some of the same spells coming out. Maybe there's what there's six spaces to yep. buy cards from. Well, if three of them are filled up with the same card.
1: Oh, that's smart. It's so, just one space then.
0: Yeah. And I so like I, was, I was reading the Board Game Geek forums, and the designers said that you could use that, that rule in the Harry Potter game. Okay. And so I think that would, uh, that seems to be one of the things that's frustrating and, and sometimes adds some length to the game. Still
1: readily like, available?
0: Oh yeah, that's at okay. that's at Target. Yep, all of these should be yeah uh, very available. I think the only one that you haven't played Th- Thanos, Thanos Rising. Rising. Yep. yep,
1: and if I if I were to play it, I'd want to play the Voldemort Rising. I I am a Harry Potter fan, uh, and more more so, I like Marvel. Don't get me wrong; I don't want hate mail or anything like that. But uh, is the Voldemort yeah. Rising one out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I believe I, so. I, so that would be one. The interesting thing about your high five, Doug, four out of the five are in my collection as well. And that's not the case. Most of the time with a high five comes up, I haven't played half the games. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, there's
0: there's more coming out. There's yeah. stuff that I haven't played. It'd be a great one to to revisit down the line. There's a couple of back to future games yeah. I'm excited to play. I, I want to play those too. There's a Lord of the Ring game that unfortunately falls into that upper echelon where those Star Wars games are sitting, but there's new IP games coming out all the time. Good work, Doug. So that's a high five for this week. If you like what you heard today, consider subscribing to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you like what we're doing here, please consider leaving a review, but only if you plan on leaving a five-star review. Take a screenshot of your review and send it to us at GameSchoolerU, and maybe we'll work something out for you. And follow us on Twitter
1: at GameSchoolerU to stay up to date and learn about what's around the corner. You can download your free copy of Naming a Virus today at GameSchooler.com where we have a full database of our recommended games along with new skill builders,
0: subject builders, and discussion guides dropping all the time. So on behalf of Michael and myself, thank you so much for spending the last hour or so with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Now get out there and start game schooling.